Good morning. This is Bakes, Kevin Baker. Welcome to Bakes Takes Podcast. This is uh, what I've come up with over the last week of, uh, of May. Uh, June is starting off crazy, as we can see. But here's what we're going to cover. Uh, the 60-40 has worked. I'll explain that. Went through 1,700-plus charts in my system, all the ETFs. Uh, biotech looks good. Gold miners, silver miners are positive. On the negative side, emerging markets, uh, especially China, still. Real estate, small caps, financials, junk bonds with a pretty important caveat. So let's get right into it. Uh, I was curious about the 60-40. Now, for, this might be a new term for, for some of you, but the 60-40 asset allocation is, is widely viewed as a, at least a starting point or a standard, and then people can move one way or the other based on, on their situation. 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Sometimes it's called equity stocks or fixed income bonds, same kind of thing. And the idea is that the, the stock market over the long term has produced the biggest returns, bonds less so, but bonds serve as ballast to stocks in, in various circumstances. And so it, it, uh, in times of stock market swoons, bonds do well, and, uh, and, and it's worked out to, to provide uh, a lot of uh, comfort in portfolios. It's worked. I can't believe it. I plugged all this in this week, and I was really surprised. Uh, 6040 is down 1.4% year to date. It's been a heck of a ride to get there, but at the end of, of uh, May, down 1.4%. In a pandemic with all this madness going on, uh, thank you, Mr. Powell, Chairman Powell. The Fed has created so much liquidity that uh, uh, people have, have said, I have to be in stocks. And, and bonds have acted uh, well. So we had stocks go down 33% February to March in 34 days. Unprecedented. I know that word's being thrown around a lot. And here we've bounced. Uh, uh, gold is up from my, my September presentation. I know I keep beating that dead horse. Gold's up 16.2%. So year-to-date stocks, the S&P 500, I use the SPY ETF as a proxy it's only down 5.4%. Felt like a heck of a lot more than that, but here we are. We're down 5.4%. The AGG is the biggest bond ETF that's out there. You can argue. You want to use a different one, that's fine. We can plug it in. But that bond proxy is up 4.7. Gold is up 14%. Cash is obviously flat, you know, paying almost next to nothing. But you plug that in, and 60-40 is still around 60-40, and it's down 1.4% year to date. Pretty good, given what all all that's gone on. So, um, and if you add back the dividends from the S&P and the interest payments for the bonds, it's close to flat. It's remarkable, absolutely remarkable, given what's going on. So, uh, if you have an advisor who uh, you like, trust, and respect, and have you in a 60/40 allocation or some variation of, of that that makes you feel comfortable, then terrific. You're in great shape. A lot of people aren't, and that's, I, I hope I add some value around the edges. Mike, can we go to the next chart, please? Uh, this is the S&P 500, the SPY. Uh, we did close above 303. Uh, the volume is still anemic, uh, below average, and the stock market is a mischievous bastard. Pardon my language, but I wrote it down in a, in a, a bit of uh, frustration and anger. Uh, it 
it works to to frustrate and surprise and confound the most people at the at at the, at the greatest uh, times, and so here we are. Yes, it's bounced. It isn't very exciting in my view. We're still into resistance, which we talked about last week. Um, uh, when I walked in, uh, the market was up a little bit. But uh, again, I can't get excited about this chart and the S&P 500 with where we are right now and what's happened since uh, the March 23rd low. As I do at the end of every month, I often do it in, in, in uh, intra month, but at the end of the month, I look at every single chart out there, every ETF. I've got 1,700 plus plugged into my system, and I came up with 11 to focus on, eight themes, uh, positive, biotech, makes sense given COVID. Gold, silver, miners, not the bullion so much. I'll go into that subtlety a little bit. Uh, emerging markets, uh, especially China, real estate, small caps. These are negative, sorry. Negative on the emerging markets in China, real estate, small caps, the financials, junk bonds, and I've got a little bit of a cautionary tale there. First one up is REK, the, uh, the, the short real estate ETF put out by ProShares. This shorts the Dow Jones real estate index. Uh, this is the daily chart, okay? Each day is, is, a, is a high, low, and a close. And basically from the, the uh, March 23rd low, the short real estate uh, ETF peaked at 19, came down to 13 where we are right now. And I've got reasons to think that we're going to retrace at least some of that. And I'll go into that further. Thanks for the next chart, Mike, please. Uh, this is the monthly chart. So it's each month, May, uh, open, uh, high, low, and close. And I just want to give you this historical perspective. So this gets us back into 09. Look how long we've been in this trend. Uh, 08, 09, the financial uh, uh, crisis, housing bubble, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, this index peaked at 50. We've spent 10 years going down to 13. Now we're building support, a base. And I think we're going to retrace some part of this. And I think it's worthwhile. And I'll go into a fundamental reason why I, uh, I think that's the case. It was interesting. There was two podcasts, right in a, uh, uh, one after the other, in, in subsequent days that I listened to. And uh, uh, oh, by the way, please go to my YouTube channel, and you can see all of these things that I have. If you're listening to the audio only now, Bakes Takes is the, is the YouTube channel, and I have a, the the YouTube uh, interview with Kevin O'Leary, uh, uh, who runs O Shares. He's Mr. Wonderful on on Shark Tank. And he has invested in 51 private companies from Shark Tank and other sources. So he has a pretty good uh, overview of what's going on in the world. 51 companies, all of them are looking to cut their real estate use by 50% over the next few years. He discusses that around three minutes if you want to get to that exact point. And at 21 minutes, he talks about that now that he's gone to the landlords and renegotiated payments, deferrals, etc., that the real the value of that real estate is likely going down. The bank holds the mortgages, and that's going to be the next hit, which is the financials, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Also, at nine minutes, he talks about, and I, uh, we talked about ETFs, exchange-traded funds. I explained those a, a bit last week, and he talks about the the tax advantages over mutual funds, which I think I glossed over too much. The way that they shift uh, shares in and out of ETFs, you don't have taxable gains that are then passed on to shareholders like you have with mutual funds 
and I think it's a, uh, another important point to to utilize ETFs in an effective way. The next uh, podcast that I listened to was Jason Calacanis. Uh, this week in startups, he interviewed a venture capital fellow named Gary Tan, and uh, at a minute for sorry, an hour fourteen. They're very San Francisco focused, very high tech focused, but Jason's companies are not uh, renewing leases. And he gives these examples of, I can save a million dollars on uh, the real estate cost. I can hire, this is Jason talking, 10 engineers at 100,000. I don't need to pay them 150 because they're not going to be working in San Francisco, so they don't get that premium. They can work from home, and you can either hire 10 engineers or drop a million dollars to the bottom line, but real estate use is coming down. This is not going to be, um, it's going to take some time to play out, but it, it it's something to monitor, hence what I'm seeing in, in the charts. The next one is the SEF, the ETF that shorts the financials, mainly the banks, and it's the same sort of thing. Spiked up to 30 uh, at the end of March, came down to 20, because now that people are, are more comfortable with Powell, um, but I think that this, this real estate slash mortgage is p- piling into deterioration into bank fin- uh, uh, financial statements is going to be occurring over the next two, three years. So it bears watching. Full disclosure, I don't own anything here. I will always disclose if I have some axe to grind. Um, the monthly, again, I wanted to show this perspective because I think it's good for me. Uh, this is down 90%. 200 down to 20 So if we retrace any part of this, it's going to be uh, some really significant worthwhile moves. 20 to 30 is obviously 50%. I'll take that all day, every day. Again, I haven't seen that uh, be confirmed in the charts yet, but I'm sure as heck uh, looking for it. Mike, can you go to the next chart? Great. Here, I'm really starting to question this. This is the EUM, the ETF that shorts emerging markets. 40% of this is China. Uh, Again, I look to the monthly just to give you a sense of, of the the long-term trend here uh, this is down 80 percent 99 to 18 it is building another base another support it is yet to be confirmed that there's a breakout to the upside where china and taiwan and south korea and alibaba tencent and and taiwan semiconductor are declining meaningfully but i'm certainly looking for that as as we go uh, forward into into next year Wall Street Journal, and this is why I keep playing up this theme, Wall Street Journal, Dave Michaels and Akane Otani uh, pointed out that over the last decade, uh, billions have been raised by Chinese companies listing their shares on the American stock exchanges, but they're avoiding the accounting quality checks that all the other public firms endure. I was surprised by that. I thought everybody had the same rule book and playbook and and audit rules and, and what have you. They don't. And uh, the Senate is piling on. They just passed legislation. The House is introducing it. Uh, and it would kick Chinese companies off of U.S. stock exchanges unless their audits are inspected by U.S. regulators. That's 200 companies, $1.4 trillion. And as I mentioned last week, this is a political football. And both parties are sort of trying to find out how we can uh, uh, you know, ramp up the rhetoric against the Chinese as we go into November. So that's one of the reasons why I'm negative. Uh, Alibaba and JD.com are not state-owned, but others are fully or partially uh, under Chinese communist government control. And uh, they are less likely to allow audits. 
in some cases, uh, recently, they outlawed complying with overseas securities regulators without the, the, the uh, express written consent of the Chinese government. I added that for Major League Baseball purposes because I want to see some. But it's a, it's a serious thing if you start seeing Chinese company after Chinese company having that American buying power and liquidity being being taken off the table. Biotech. All right, this is this is interesting. Um, the 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 market has moved dramatically on especially vaccine news. So it makes sense that that biotechs. This is a pretty chart. So I have to, you know, throw my biases to the side and say, you know, there is something going on here. Uh, obviously, there's feverish work being done to to address COVID-19. This is the BBH, Vanek Vector Biotech ETF. The top three are Amgen, Gilead, and Moderna, the top three stocks in the portfolio. Uh, Amgen, Gilead have been around forever. Uh, varied portfolio, profitable cash flow, etc. Moderna has a market cap of, of $23 billion. They have no products. They have uh, a trial that they put out with eight patients in phase one showing promising results for a vaccine. So at $23 billion, expectations are pretty darn high that something's going to happen for Moderna. So I just say tread cautiously any bad news on a vaccine and 23 billion dollars is going to go down dramatically really fast i'm not saying that's going to happen but there isn't you know 10 other products throwing off cash flow to catch you if uh, something bad happens to moderna so so be it um the ibb looks good this is another uh, uh this is the iShares nasdaq biotech uh, Vertex, Amgen, and Gilead are the top three here. I think Moderna's in the top ten, if I recall correctly, from looking at it. But these are, you know, obviously, uh, uh, you know, three more stable biotech companies. Other thoughts: um, How much of 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 this price move is COVID nineteen? Where are expectations for not only Moderna, but all the other uh, uh, projects that are out there? There are 12 companies working on vaccines. There's 22 working on treatments. There's 13 working on testing. So a lot of competition, uh, uh, which is understandable. What price can you charge given the political climate and, and the, 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 the perception of profiting off of a, a pandemic? The alliteration is going to play in, 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 the, in the newsrooms, and they're going to use that a lot. So that's one question. Number two, what are the margins on, on these things? Vaccines can tend to be lower margin products. We'll see what they can charge and what kind of uh, return on their R&D investment they can earn. Uh, it's going to be acute versus chronic, I suspect. So it isn't treating diabetes and, and, and hypertension. It's uh, a one-time vaccine, maybe a twice vaccine, a one-time treatment, a one-time test, I hope. So it isn't going to be a recurring uh, treatment or vaccine or, or uh, uh, you know, regimen going down the road. It's one, maybe two times, and you don't get much of a multiple for that kind of a, uh, of a thing. Uh, what's happening with herd immunity? Are we, have we already had it and, and building up an immunity to it that uh, is just natural over time that obviates the need for all these things that they're spending billions of dollars for? I don't know, but I think it's 
given the, the elevated expectations, I want to have you thinking about these things. Um, and there's probably going to be, what, one, two, three winners in each of these categories, and the rest are going to be losers. So do those come down more than the others go up? Again, I don't know. Another quick point. I want this to be interactive. I want uh, you to comment, send ideas. Uh, Bakes, here's an article that you haven't seen that might might change your view. I want you to include this in the next show. Have at it. Bring on uh, uh, conflicting points of view, and we'll have a lot of fun, and hopefully we'll all make a lot of money. Um, the uh, GOEX is the Global X Gold Explorers ETF. These are the gold miners. Not the, it isn't GLD, which is an approximation of, of the gold price, gold bullion. So uh, you have leverage involved here, and leverage cuts both ways. But the thought is that if you have uh, the same amount of ounces being sold, or better yet, growing ounces uh, being sold at a higher price, the expense structure stays relatively stable and more money comes down to the bottom line. And then you can have margin exp- uh, margin and multiple expansion and have the stock prices go up way more than the gold price itself. Here, from the, from the low, we've gone from 15 to 30. That's a 100% move, obviously. PHYS is a bullion uh, ETF, and this has gone from 11 to 14, 25%. So you can see where the leverage works. And again, the leverage works on the downside. The silver miners look good. Uh, SIL. um, Most of these companies also mine gold as well. But this is up 100% from the lows and looks very, very promising. The number of people who want to have the silver gold ratio get back to some sort of normalcy. I'll I'll put a chart in that next week, I hope, that shows you get a serious catch-up move in silver that can happen. SLVP, the iShares MSCI uh, Global Silver ETF looks very similar, up 100%. I know that's a big move, but uh, you know there might be more to come. Next is, is the uh, small caps. The ProShares Short Russell 2000, RWM, uh, bets against the Russell 2000 going up. So what's happened? Uh, 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 from March 23rd, it peaked at 59. We came down to 38. It looks like this is prior support where we're building a base. The volume has been higher on the on the uh, on the up days. So if the Russell 2000 comes down, this is going to go up. Uh, again, I have not pulled the trigger on this, but it's intriguing to me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts as always. This is controversial. Shorting uh, junk bonds, SJB, I think that's what the, the acronym is. It's also the ETF symbol. Short junk bonds. Uh, pro shares, short high yield is the more genteel term, but they were junk bonds when I started doing this in my career. Uh, you have to be careful. The Fed is out buying junk bonds and junk bond ETFs on the long side, meaning they own the underlying junk bonds. This ETF goes out and shorts the the high yield bonds betting on their decline so if high yield bond prices start going down this is going to go up the problem i have with this is that it's kind of like uh uh, stepping on superman's cape with all due respect to jim croce uh the fed is superman right now and i haven't seen any kryptonite and so i'm i'm careful this if this can go up 
in the face of the Fed buying junk bonds, then we've got a really crazy situation happening. I, I, I'm not doing this yet. I don't want you to do it, but I'm paying attention to this. Uh, in Barron's this past week, uh, Randall Forsyth created a, wrote about a great reminder to all of us, but I think me especially, uh, economic stats are as old as soon as they are released. And uh, I've got a further take. That's obvious. But my other take is you can't invest in them. There isn't a, 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 a unemployment claims ETF, a GDP claims, a manufacturing index ETF. They're not out there. So all you can do is, is take those. And I think what, what, what we do well here, I hope, is we focus on future implications. I'm not reading to you what's happened. I'm trying to say, here's what this means for future implications, and here are the vehicles where you can invest and make money going down the road. And I hope that's, uh, I hope that's helpful versus the other podcasts that you listen to. I always welcome your inputs and insights and uh, welcome them. Uh, please subscribe, review, and share my Bakes Takes podcast on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred platform. Please also subscribe to my Bakes Takes YouTube channel. The audio is the same, but the charts that I reference are on the screen. A lot of other things, too. Follow us on Twitter at Bakes Takes underscore and other social media. Please use your voice memo app. Tape your questions and email to Bakes Takes, sorry, Bakes at BakesTakesPodcast.com or write if you prefer. I'll keep it anonymous if that's what you'd like. Uh, thank you for listening. Mike Wilson is my producer. Have a great week. This is Bakes. And for much needed levity, again, I would love to play all these things, especially the clean parts, but I can't because the copyright people come down and send Bruno helicopters show up my house, and they won't let me show the videos. So uh, I would encourage you to go to Bill, uh, Netflix, Bill Burr, Paper Tiger, he taped this at Royal Albert Hall. Uh, disclaimers. Uh, I don't agree with everything he says. There's some, uh, uh, you know, uh, dirty language. It is not politically correct, but boy, is it funny. And we need some laughs in this crazy world that we live in. Hope to see you soon. This is Bakes. See you next week. Bye now. Bye.